One thing I can say I know about you since you listen to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is that you're a ruckus maker, right? An out-of-the-box leader making change happen in education. And whoa, do I have a ruckus maker for you today? A new uh, colleague and friend of mine, Latanya Wilkins, is certainly causing a ruckus in our conversation. She's going to challenge you to do things that you're not going to be potentially ready to do. But I encourage you to step into the space and apply some of the wisdom that she shares with you in today's episode. One of those things being throw out the agenda. Whoa, what's that all about? Well, you're going to hear it in the conversation today. And she's also going to challenge a number of uh, leadership archetypes and share why she hates diversity, equity, and inclusion. You want to hear every minute of this episode, believe me. Hey, it's Danny, and welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Like I said, a show for ruckus makers. And I just want to take a second to say thanks. This show has experienced incredible success, and the majority of the reason is because of you, the loyal listener who has subscribed, who has shared with his or her friends, who has left a rating and review, and loyally listened time in, time out. That means so much to me. It's actually hard for me to express uh, with words. So thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to all these hundreds of episodes and uh, for all these years since 2015. And with that being said, let's get in a message from our show's sponsors and we'll be over to the conversation right after this. to develop your skills to identify challenges, incorporate and support innovation, and plan and drive school improvement in leading school strategy and innovation, a certificate in school management and leadership course from Harvard. Leading school strategy and innovation runs from October 12th to November 9th, 2022. Apply by September 30th, enroll by October 6th. Get started at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. Are you automatically tracking online student participation data during COVID? Innovative school leaders across the country have started tracking online student participation using TeachFX because it's one of the most powerful ways to improve student outcomes during COVID, especially for English learners and students of color. Learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash B-L-B-S. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. Hello, Ruckus Maker. I am excited to have the founder of the Change Coaches, Latanya Wilkins, on today's show. Now, Latanya and her team build cultures of belonging through customized coaching and consulting services. Uh, she's a sought-after keynote speaker, has inspired audiences all over the world, and was featured on a list of most inclusive HR influences in 2019. Her book, Leading Below the Surface, features her revolutionary signature concept of below-the-surface leadership about creating psychologically safe relationships across differences and empowering underrepresented employees to feel valued, heard, and engaged. Welcome to the show, Latanya. I'm so excited to be here, Danny. I know. My cheeks are red. I'm blushing. So I'm, <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm excited you're here, too, <laughs> if you can't tell. Uh, 
we're going to jump right into like a topic. Yeah. This is going to blow people's mind. Uh, but you say you hate diversity, equity, and inclusion. Tell me I why. do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. So before I started Change Coaches, I spent a great deal of time in corporates. And when I was doing that, I was leading, mainly leading leadership develop, development and talent teams. And what I found is that when we worked with diversity, equity, and inclusion, which was pretty much all the time, we would partner with them. We'd make sure that they had the tools that they needed, that, that department. But that unit really never helped us. They didn't help mm. someone like me. And they didn't help other people similar to me. I mean, if you're looking at me, you know, I'm different, right? And they're, you know, I'm intersectional. And, and so a lot of the times what I found is when I heard diversity, equity, inclusion, it was more of a bragging right for a company and more of a surface thing for a company to say yeah. that they did it more so than the actual work that was happening and employees agreeing that that work was going on. So yeah, I've always hated it because I, I think it's it's code for what I call surface leadership and surface organizational culture where, hey, we care about these things. But if you ask five people who are quote unquote diverse, what their experiences are, most of them will say that they don't feel that the company actually cares about diversity, equity, inclusion. Yeah, so one way to maybe reflect it back, uh, would you agree it's like, uh, the checkbox, hey, we did it. We could put it on the yeah. website, say we care right. versus the real work, right? right? Yeah. Well, will you tell me a little bit more? Like, so, you know, middle-aged white guy, right? I, I have different experiences than you. So can you give me, uh, tell me more about like, okay, it, it didn't it didn't work for you. And like, what were some of the misses? Yeah, so a couple of my identities for those that can't see me. So... I'm, black, I'm a black woman. I identify as a woman. I am queer. I identify as queer. I am married to a woman. I actually am, you know, I have other visible identities where it's just, I don't look like other, how other black women looked in the organization. I'm my own unique person, like we all are. And, but I, I think what happens is people form these schemas of what, what it's supposed to be. And so that's, that's the misses were that there weren't a lot, there, were, there wasn't a lot of opportunity for it to be intersectional, to be an intersectional employee and be accepted for your identities. There wasn't psychological safety around that. Even in one organization, we had employee resource groups mm -hmm. and they were trying to be better. But the issue with those employee resource groups is, you know, I was part of the black one. I was part of the LGBTQ one. It's part of the women's groups. But whenever I would go to those, it was almost like, which door should I go in today? And then when mm. I entered that door, I left my other identities at the front door of those within those organizations. So yeah, it's, that's like, that's the one thing is there's not a lot of room for intersectional identities. There's not a lot of psychological safety when you look different and when people experience you differently, I would say that's the second. And the third, it's just still extremely stereotypical where diversity and inclusion really means, okay, let's go hire some black people or let's go hire some brown people. But when you actually get inside, 
there's nothing's different. It's just that you brought these people in, but the workplace is no different than it was before. Yeah, I've heard that on the podcast before and in some respects, right? Like, so people now identify this as an issue. They make some key hires, but they haven't thought through them. Now what? <laughs> because nothing else has changed, right? Within right. The, the organization. I think it'd be great. I'd love to invite you to tell me a bit then how you change in the game when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion. And it's, I know it's a big question, but maybe what excites you most about, you know, about that work and how you're changing it. Yeah. So a couple of things, change coaches, we call ourselves a leadership development and culture firm. Mm. So that's the first thing that's changing the, the game. It's not diversity and inclusion has never been anything separate. And I don't, and if an organization is trying to make it separate, then I question what they're trying to do there. It's really a part of culture. It's really a part of how do you develop people? It's really part of uh, structures and systems. Like how do how do you run your organization? Like what are your hiring processes look like? So that's the difference is like, again, we call ourselves a different type of firm. We call ourselves a, a culture firm. And all those things are under the big structure of culture. Another way that I'm changing it is, so one of the stories I talk about a lot is my grandmother. And mm-hmm. she, we had her till she was 93, such a big light. Wow. She migrated from Jackson, Mississippi to the to. Des Moines, Iowa, where I grew up, because of Jim Crow laws, my mother refusing to drink from a colored fountain. The reason why I'm telling you the story about my grandmother, it was magical who she was, because even though she had all those situations happen to her, all those challenges, all that adversity, she was still amazing at building real relationships with people who are different from her. And since she was good at that, I I learned that through her. A lot of people in my family learned that through her. And guess what? That's what organizations skip. They hmm. want to give you a checklist. They want to give you check boxes, but, and they want to say, okay, we have to get our structures and systems in place. Yeah. Those things are important. And you have to build real relationships with people who are different from you. You can't do really one without the other and be successful. And that's the magic sauce that's missing from all of this stuff. Right. So, you know, I love school leaders and I'm in a bunch of uh, Facebook or LinkedIn, you know, or the Twitter chats and see what people talk about. And and it's interesting that they, you know, leaders or organizations want to skip that piece. And I'd I'd love to hear why you think that is. Is it because it's hard, because it's messy, that it takes long, that it can't be necessarily just a checklist? Like, yeah, why do they skip? So I think there's a couple that I'll address today. So there's, when you talk about school leaders, I think the issue is with school leaders having real empathy they, and instead of sympathy. Like I, I think there's, there's a huge difference with right. those two concepts. And empathy is meeting people at the level that they are, okay. uh, walking a day in their shoes. Sympathy is like, oh my gosh, I, I feel sorry for these people. I, I got I to gotta improve this school for them. So there's mm-hmm. a big difference. So I think that's the first difference is that people, they, they kind of get on the sympathy train where they're trying to fix things or save things when sometimes you just need to be in it. I think the second piece is fear. I think that a lot of people, uh, I mean, when, there's a study that was done, Danny, a few years ago that said that, the average American only has one 
they, they only have one friend of a different race, which is really yeah. interesting, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But obviously people of color, we have multiple friends of different races. I mean, my wife is is uh, Latina, right? So okay. so I think with, uh, with, with people of color, we tend to have more people in our communities that, that are different races. But I think with that fear, what that is, is that I think the world, unfortunately, has even become more fearful and people mm-hmm. are afraid because they don't want to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. But it's not even about that. Again, it's just going back to the empathy piece and just, just sitting there, getting to know people, listening to them, accessing their experiences, accessing empathy for them, uh, doing some some real listening with them. And and so, yeah, those are the two things that are that are holding us back. Sure. Do you, do you have like an empathy exercise that's a, a go-to for you or sort of like an empathy yes, um, tool that you'd like to offer to the ruckus maker listening? So they're hearing this like, okay, I want to walk on yeah. my shoes. Yeah, so in Leading Below the Surface, I talk about listening. I talk about two different ways of listening that can help you access empathy. And one I talk about that's, that really resonates with a lot of folks, especially leaders, is what I call person to belonging listening. And so school leaders, instead of going, I'm sure we're, you're used to going into a meeting with an agenda, making sure that you have control of it, making sure that you're, you stay on schedule, making sure that everybody's in their right spots. But instead of doing that, throwing, I know this is going to, this is going to make you anxious, but throw out that agenda and instead uh, listen to the room, listen through multiple senses, through your eyes, through your ears, mm-hmm. through other things, other, other ways. And what I mean by listening is listening also through, uh, through observing. And like I said, through your eyes and your ears. So when you're listening through observing, you can access empathy because you could see a lot of different things, right? You could see a lot more, you know, if you're standing up, uh, you know, on top of the house and looking down, there's a lot more you could see than when you're in the house. And so some of the things that you could see is who's talking the most, who seems out of sorts, who's quiet, you know, who has the power in the room? Who do people seem to defer to? And if you could do that, then you, you're going to have a newfound sense of empathy and, and just mainly also just awareness around what's going on with your team, right? And it, you can't do that if you go in with an agenda. So try to contrast that with the traditional ways where we try to have empathy. And it's you go into a meeting or you could do a one-on-one with someone and you, you try to, you're trying to listen to them. And that's a way you could do it. People suck at it, but that's a way that you could do it. But what you're not getting there is you're not, you're not able to observe what's really going on in the room. Like someone might answer a question and say, it's say, think they know how they're feeling. But when you observe, that's so much more powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I, I could see for the ruckus maker listening that it could be potentially scary, but I'll, I'll challenge him or her to push through that, right? To to lean into the uh, the tension of it all, right? Mm-hmm. And if you, here's the thing: is like if you create the space where you can observe, and it's not so top down, checklist, agenda driven. Like, what might you be able to create, right? To me, it's right. a, it's an opportunity. It, it invites possibility, uh, and so I really I really appreciate you know what what you've been um, sharing there, uh, you know probably a, a relative, maybe a brother, or sister, certainly a cousin of empathy is like this idea you've mentioned psychological safety, you know, a bit. And that's something I'm thinking a lot about because uh, I think that's a key ingredient to relationships, to empathy, to building 
trust and high-performing teams and culture, right? So what are your, yeah, what would you, what would you tell the ruckus maker listening just when it comes to psychological safety, if it's a blind spot for them, you know, what are some moves that they might be able to make to increase that in their, in their organization? Yeah. So one of the things I I talk a lot about is just knowing that you're always on a continuum of psychological safety and you could always take a step forward or take a step back. So it's focusing on taking the steps forward. For those of you that aren't familiar with psychological safety, what it is is that people can make mistakes at work without being punished. People can bring their entire selves to work without being punished. People can bring different ideas to the table without being punished or ridiculed. So that's what that is. So um, some uh, some ways that you could do that is one of the one of the exercises that I like to do or I like to tell leaders to do is again next time you're in a meeting in a team meeting maybe even go around and uh, discuss things that make your team feel safe at work. And just just a very simple activity. Just, hey, I'd like to talk about this today. Uh, you know, this is what makes me feel safe, right? When, when my board asks me for my opinion and I feel like it's in a way that's not accusatory, I feel safe, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But ask your team, like, and if they can't come up with the answer to that, Maybe have them think about the last time that they felt safe at work right. and what that what that looked like or what that situation was. And another way is just continuing, even when you have just ongoing team meetings, kind of start have a have a little a spot in there or a placeholder in there every single time where you could explore how can we make sure that we can all speak safely today and I'll bring our safe opinions, what agreements do we need to have? And then setting that up front. So yeah, so those are two ways that you could do it. But I but I want to stress one thing. It's you only have psychological safety if you do these these tactics, but also if you're showing your team over time that that you are actually not punishing them, that you're not going to yeah. punish them and yeah. that you're lifting them up. So you can't try to do these activities and then, you know, change your mind down the road. It, it's really got to, you've got to be also set that example. Yeah. So I'm hearing the modeling piece and then the commitment. Uh, if, if you want to create this for your team, which leads to a better culture, which leads to better results, you know, for our students and that kind of thing, then you have to align your actions with your words. That's Absolutely. Cool. Well, I'm really enjoying our conversation, Latanya. We're going to pause here just for a second to get some messages in from our show sponsors and uh, when we when we get back, I'd love to ask you about the difference between niceness and kindness. Learn how to successfully drive school change and help your diverse stakeholders establish priorities and improve practice in leading school strategy and innovation. A certificate in school management and leadership course from Harvard. Topics include vision and goal setting root cause analysis, organizational alignment, innovation, and more. Leading school strategy and innovation runs from October 12th to November 9th, 2022. Apply by September 30th. Enroll by October 6th. Get started at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. During COVID, every teacher is a new teacher. That's why innovative school leaders are turning to TeachFX, 
whose virtual PD is equipping thousands of teachers with the skills they need to create engaging, equitable, and rigorous virtual or blended classes. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. Today's show is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder develops the skills and habits all students need for success. During these uncertain times of distance learning and hybrid education settings, Organized Binder equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning routines so that all students have an opportunity to succeed, whether at home or in the classroom. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. All right, and we're back with Latanya Wilkins, who is the founder of The Change Coaches and author of Leading Below the Surface. So I mentioned before the break, I'd love to ask you about the difference between niceness and kindness. I was just, shout out to Lauren. So if Lauren's listening, I'll be visiting uh, his school doing a training. It's going to be awesome. And his, his AP said, everybody thinks Lauren's just a really you know, nice guy and that he's a pushover, right? Um, but his AP, Marcella, knows that there's some things that he really has strong beliefs about. And it's like, you know, don't mess with that stuff or you'll see a different side of him. So I just want to give that a little bit of context and shout out to Lauren because I love him. But yeah, what, what would you say? What's the difference between niceness and kindness? Yeah, that is so important because I, I've heard a lot of similar things, Danny, when I was, especially in the corporate world and even for my executives today where they say, oh yeah, I don't, I don't think they're going to succeed because they're too nice. And, and I, I always dig into that. And, and there's something I call the dominant leadership standard in okay. leaning below the surface, which is that we have outdated concepts of what uh, leader leadership should look like and organizational mm-hmm. values should look like, like competition over collaboration. It doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And the future of work, it's not going to work. So throw that out, throw all that out, uh, throw that dominant leadership standard out. And so this actually reminds me of that. Uh, so the way that I talk about niceness and the way I think about niceness is that that you are you are kind of a pushover. Uh, mm-hmm. You are someone that is accommodating. Uh, you're someone that is it's basically kind of fake, really. It's not, it's not a real thing. It's just, you're being nice because you, you, you just want to protect yourself against any other behavior. Right. So it's, it's not fake. I mean, it's fake. It's sorry. It is very fake. Um, It's not real is what I meant to say Mm -hmm. with kindness. You know, kindness is actually the part of the future of work. And I think it's, it's part of the opposite of the dominant leadership standard. So there's a lot of misconceptions around kindness, but what kindness is, is it's grace. Uh, kindness is altruism. Kindness, actually, if you look at the science of kindness, if you're kind, you actually experience less stress. If you're kind to people, you're actually going to really, both people are going to release oxytocin, which actually makes you bond a little bit more. Mm. When does kindness become light, niceness? Well, kindness becomes niceness when it becomes fake. Or like, again, when you're, when you're like, sometimes we get nice because we fig, we feel like there's no way out of a situation, right? Mm-hmm. Or we feel mm-hmm. like someone is, taking over. And so it's like our defense mechanism, right? Um, Or we feel like we don't really even know, we don't know how a meeting with someone's going to be. So we're trying to be very nice. Uh, We're trying to be, we're trying to protect parts of ourselves. But again, Mm -hmm. so think about niceness 
if you have to think about it and you're, you're feeling like you're, you're shielding parts of yourself and you're just trying to, you're trying to just be accommodating and get through something. You're probably being nice. If you are being real and you are, you know, leading with grace and you are really trying to, to connect with someone, then that's kindness. And there's, and again, kindness is a good thing and kindness is the future of work. Absolutely. Well, I'm resonating with what you're saying about over accommodating, right? And I think what, what school leaders might suffer or, or, or be challenged by is like, I think educators, they have huge hearts. That's a big reason mm-hmm. why they became educators. And then on top of that, I think many people have this, but for sure, educators, they want to be liked, right? They don't want anybody not to like them. So hard conversations can be difficult. And uh, maybe that's where the over-accommodation comes in. So I wonder too, if I don't know if you'd agree, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but so if, if you're doing something that seems nice or kind or whatever, but then you kind of feel bad for actually doing it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, what? you beat yourself up or that kind of, maybe that was the nice versus the kind right. you know, sort of approach. So, right. Yeah, that's interesting. Is there anything else you want to add about like stereotypes of uh, leadership archetypes? Because I, I heard dominant, yeah. you know, I'm sure it's a lot, but it, yeah, is there any- you know, <laughs> there's so many things that drive me crazy. Okay. Uh, even, <laughs> so <laughs> I have a good friend that is, and I, I'm sure she's not listening to this, so I could share it, but yeah. uh, she is a, a chief people officer of a growing early stage startup. Okay. And it's it's like a one of those unicorn type companies. Yeah. And she had asked if 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 I could net if I would help her network for her for, for someone on her team. And one of the words I saw was dominant leadership standard. I hate that she used this word. And I am gonna say something to her, but she said. We need someone that's obsessed with customer results. And I'm like, yeah. nobody's obsessed with anything. And is that something that is, <laughs> is that something we actually want to be? Like, yeah, it yeah. sounds like extremely creepy. It sounds extremely like, like a masculine type thing. Like, mm. it sounds like, like what's obsessed, like unhealthy. Again, mm. that's, that's like this dominant leadership standard. So, so words like that, another one that, uh, I get asked, I get challenged on a lot because I think people are afraid to let this go. And I'm sorry, people, but meritocracies, no. Your vocabulary yeah. now okay. and take me later. I know you're going to be pissed. I know you're going to, you're going to challenge me, but that is dominant leadership standard BS. Okay. Well, tell, well, tell us more though. Like why, but why? Because it, it, the whole premise of a meritocracy uh, assumes that there's equity in the world, mm-hmm. that there's equity in education, that there's equity in schools, and that has not happened. So if if you have a meritocracy, which is basically survival of the fittest, sure. or people that perform the best will go the furthest in the organization. And when you look at, and you consider the fact that most, the vast majority of organizations are not equitable. That's why people like me have been very, very busy. Uh, that a meritocracy cannot exist. So, yeah, yeah. so take that out. It just doesn't exist. It, it just can't exist in the, in the conditions that we live in today. Yeah. It's just idealized. Uh, it's almost like a unicorn in terms of like, it doesn't exist. It's an idealized right. form right. of what, what we would want to have happen, but it ignores the reality and the challenges that we currently wrestle with. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Okay, cool. So I highly recommend that people check out your book for sure. Leading below the surface. 
Uh, I'm very excited to let the ruckus maker listening know that you have a 30 day below the surface leadership challenge. So um, correct, you know, sorry for my ignorance. Is that something people can just join and it starts like 30 days from when they join type of mm-hmm. thing? Or yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the challenge yeah. and how people can enroll. So we have a couple of resources. So if you're, if you're interested in some of the things I'm talking about today, you can go to leadingbelowthesurface.com. We have a 30 day below the surface challenge. And it, there's three prongs of below the surface leadership that I talk a lot about real leadership Relatable, equitable, aware, and loyal. Again, that's relatable, equitable, aware, and loyal. And that's an acronym. Again, I challenged all those, those leadership archetypes. And so that's that's the archetype we talk about in Leading Below the Surface. I also talk, a lot, the second prong is empathy. Uh, and the third prong is building psychological safety. So you'll have... You'll, you'll be in a 30-day challenge where you're able to, to work on all three of those concepts over 30 days. We also have an allyship challenge, and we, we run that um, during certain months. Like we, we ran it during Pride Month. We ran it doing, during also Black History Month and other months. And so if you're, if you're curious about how to be an, a better ally to people and what that looks like in the real way, not in the way that's like, ooh, I did this action. I am so cool now. In a real way and get it like getting below the surface way, then that's another resource that you might want to check out. All right. Thank you, uh, Latanya. So if you could put a message on all school marquees for just one day, what would your message read? It's time that we all challenge how we think about leadership. I, schools are changing, the world's changing. Everything's changing. And us as leaders, we have to change with the world. And I, and I see so many of us that are coasting and we think that uh, what we're going to do is going to work. But no, we we kind of have to flow with the river. And a lot of even though even if it feels like something that goes against traditionally what you believe, be more open to observe it and explore it because that's where the world's going. And if you could build your dream school. You weren't limited by any resources. Your only limitation was your imagination. How would Latanya Wilkins build her dream school? And what would be the three guiding principles? Yeah, so it would it would definitely be in the outdoors. So it would be somewhere in the mountains. <laughs> and we we wouldn't meet every single day. We would meet maybe even once or twice a week. So it would be more of a hybrid model. Mm-hmm. So, and the, the principles, definitely diversity, it would be important, bringing in different types of, of levels. Equity, making sure that people, uh, everybody has access. And then the, the third would be um, futuristic, where we could, the, the school would be based on building the world that we want to live in in the future. Awesome. Well, we covered a lot of ground today, Latanya. So if there was one thing you would want a ruckus maker to remember, what would that be? Throw out that agenda. <laughs> no, you're not going to love me for that one, but throw out your agenda. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. 
Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed. Mm-hmm.